Do you need to go to Bible college or seminary if you're going to be a missionary in today's world? That's a question I get a lot, and I want to help you answer that question in this episode of Now is the Time. Hello, friends. My name is Caleb Suko. I am a missionary here in Odessa, Ukraine, and you are listening to the Now is the Time podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about how we can use our lives right now to worship our God. And one of the key factors in using our lives to worship God is using our lives to gather more worshipers for God, evangelism, and then helping those new worshipers worship God better. And that is called discipleship. And in this episode, I really want to focus on that question that I shared with you Bible college or seminary in order to become an effective missionary in today's world? Like I said, it's a question that I get a lot from young people. Uh, So I'm going to spend a little time talking with you about that, some of my thoughts on that, and I hope that you'll stick around for that. I want to share with you a number of quick updates about some things that are going on with us in our lives here as missionaries in Odessa, Ukraine, before I get to that content. But just stay with me. We'll talk about it here in a few minutes, and I appreciate your patience. But I know that it's also kind of interesting to hear about what is going on in our lives. And here's the main thing that's going on that has been going on in my life for the last month. I've been a single dad because my wife Christina has been in South America in Chile with our daughter Naomi who had a grandchild. Well, she we have a grandchild. She had a child, our daughter. She had a child. Uh, our granddaughter was born uh, earlier this month. And so uh, my wife and our other daughter, Noelle, have been down there in Chile and tomorrow they come home so maybe by the time you listen to this podcast they'll already be home but uh, that has been a kind of an interesting experience for me as being sort of like the you know the single dad role but I have to say I have it good because I have my mother-in-law here my father-in-law and my mother-in-law helps us an awful lot she does a lot of the cooking and cleaning and all that kind of stuff And so that means that I'm focused on getting the kids to school, picking the kids up from school, making sure they do their homework, making sure they get to bed on time, and of course all the ministry that I'm involved in. One of the difficulties with that is that that regularly about three nights out of the week I'm gone doing ministry. And so that has made it a little bit difficult. Now, ministry-wise, let me share with you a couple of things that really we can praise God for. One is we had a great baptism service at our church, Hope for People, this uh, past, earlier this month in September. And I had the privilege of baptizing two young people. What a a joy that is. I just, I love, I love baptisms. It, It always just is such a good reminder that God is still, still in the business of bringing people to faith in him giving them new life and eternal hope 
And that being said, this Sunday, we actually have another baptism service in from our, our church uh, downtown called Skenia or Tabernacle. We're going to have a baptismal service. We, we have uh, just one, but praise the Lord for that. And so we're going to be also down on the Black Sea. Our church has retreat this weekend and we'll be... Um, it will be praising God for, for another person who has chosen to follow Jesus Christ and to be obedient in baptism in that public profession of their faith. So appreciate your prayers for our churches here. Uh, I think I've shared this in previous podcasts right now. I'm kind of in two churches, but mainly uh, we're downtown in our church called Skenia or Tabernacle in English. Uh, it's it's not a, a real big church. We have about sixty members, but it is in an area where we have a lot of a lot of traffic, a lot of people going by. We're right in the downtown area, and just great great uh, opportunities for the gospel there. And so, I really would ask that you would pray that we'd be able to use those gospel opportunities to reach out. Especially, we want to reach out to the foreign students, and so we have a number of people in our church that are that are going to the some of the university campuses around uh, around our town and reaching out to the foreign students we have students from from China from uh, Palestine from Turkey from Syria from uh, from a number of different African nations and uh, many of them are from countries where it's it's really difficult as far as to get in there with the gospel but they're here we want to share with the gospel with them we want them to see who Jesus is, believe in him, and then go back and make disciples in their own country. So appreciate your prayers about that. And I also want to update you quickly about our uh, outreach to the military. We have not been out to the military base in about a month because we were kind of shut down. They got a new com- commander for the base, and he sort of brought some harsher rules or, or just maybe enforced the rules that were already there. And so they would not let us on the base. Well, I just heard word, I think yesterday or today, that we we wrote a letter and uh, signed it and sent it to the commander of the base, and he approved it. So it looks like we are going to have be able to get back onto the base and continue serving those Ukrainian soldiers. So I appreciate your prayer for that. I know that a number of you were praying along those lines, and... Um, and God is at work. So praise praise God for that. And then uh, a final prayer request. I would just say, hey, you know, pray for, for me for uh, spiritual strength and endurance. Uh, just have a lot of opportunities, a lot of ministry responsibilities. And sometimes, it, you know, kind of kind of gets a little too much. So I need I need that strength. I also need the wisdom to know when to rest and when to take it easy. And I'm I'm definitely, I'll be the first to admit that uh, sometimes I take on too much, more than I should. So, appreciate your prayers for me along those lines. All right. Oh, oh yeah. And then, (laughs) I should mention this. My book, Is God Calling Me to Missions, is now going to be available on October 6th on Kindle, but it's available for pre-order now. And so, the topic that I chose today is actually a question that I answer in my book, Is God Calling Me to Missions? Ten Questions to Help Determine Your Calling. Maybe you've read that in paperback. Maybe you haven't. Well, now you can read it on Kindle. And I want to encourage you to get it 
pre-ordered before October 6th. In fact, if you ordered the paperback on Amazon, you get it for free. So that's kind of a no-brainer. But on October 6th, it will become uh, it will be sent out to everyone who has pre-ordered it on Amazon Kindle. And so I want to just talk with you about this question because it's in my, my book has three sections in it, and it all relates to God's calling to missions. The first section is really just sharing our own testimony. If you ever want to know how God personally called me and Christina and together called us to be missionaries in Ukraine, well, that's detailed in the first section of my book. And there were some surprises there for us, for sure. For me, for Christina, God changed some ideas in our hearts really drastically in order to get us back to Ukraine. And the second section I talk about these 10 questions that you can ask yourself that will really give you quite a clear idea of whether or not God is calling you into missions. And so these are real practical, simple things that you can ask yourself in the light of God's word and through prayer and with the advice of, of mature, wise believers that know you. I think it's, it's, it's totally reasonable that you should have a clear idea of whether or not God is really calling you into missions. And even if you think that he's not, I think that this book will help clarify even what does a missionary do? What does it mean to be a missionary? And then the third section of this book, I answer some, some questions, some common questions that often pop up in, when we talk about calling to missions. So some of the questions I answer is, how does marriage affect my call? I mean, <laughs> I've seen way, way too many young people ruin their chances to become missionaries by making an unwise choice in marriage. It has to be something where, where both husband and wife are 100% in so I answer that question uh, in the book. I answer the question, what if my parents are against me going as a missionary? I answer the question, how do my children affect the call? I answer the question, do I need a mission agency? I answer the question, what if I can't raise the support I need? And I also answer the question, do I need to go to Bible college or seminary? So let's talk about that a little bit and I'm even I've got the book right in front of me actually because I'm trying you know I want to make sure I remember what I wrote here <laughs> so now in full disclosure I attended Bible college and seminary and I will have to tell you that was nearly 10 years of my life and there were times when I was studying where I thought, why am I here? Why am I not on the mission field already? But there was something that just kept me going all that time. And to be honest with you, I would have to say that that feeling of why am I here studying and not on the mission field already was particularly strong in the first year or two of my studies. But the more I studied, the more I dove into God's word, and the more 
practical experience that I got in the church and in churches, because there were time in Bible college where I, I traveled quite a bit and spoke in different churches as a pulpit, pulpit fill, or I guess that's what you call it. So the the more time that I spent studying and, and practicing ministry, the more I realized how really useful and necessary at least that time was for me. And and I realized that I needed more. I never, ever intended upon going to seminary when I started Bible college. I never intended finishing Bible college. I intended to go for one year, and that was it. I thought, let me just get you know a good little foundation under my feet, and then I'll be good. But after a year, I kind of felt like, well, that really wasn't very much. I mean, nothing against the, the school I went to, Shasta Bible College, a great school. But the Bible is the Bible, and it is deep, and it is wide. And nine months of studying the Bible just, just is the, you know, the surface of things. It's, <laughs> ministry requires us to go deep into God's Word. Okay, let me read for you a, a little bit from this section in my book, Do I Need to Go to Bible College or Seminary? That's what I wrote. I entered Bible College fall of 1996 and graduated from seminary in spring of 2005. That's nine years of life that I mainly devoted to formal Bible and ministry training. I know that to some, that sounds like an awful lot of time, and believe me, it sounded like a lot to me when I was in the middle of those years. However, something kept me going. Maybe it was the realization I just wasn't ready yet. Maybe it was the fact that I really needed more time to mature because it was the understanding that with, or maybe it was the understanding that without a strong biblical foundation, I wouldn't do much good on the mission field and possibly could do a lot of harm. There were times during those nine years when I would have loved to just run away to the mission field. There were times when I felt like I was spinning my wheels, wasting my time, and not fulfilling my calling. God gave me the desire to serve him, so why couldn't I go immediately and start that service? Yes, there were times when I doubted the need for all that study and preparation. Yet, now, as I write this, 12 years after graduating from seminary, I can tell you without a doubt that those nine years were not wasted. I can tell you that if I had to do it all over again, I'd do exactly the same way. I can tell you that I'm very grateful for those years of preparation, and I see how God used them to develop me spiritually, doctrinally, and professionally. That was my experience. But what about you? Do you really need to go to Bible college or seminary? So, you may think that after all of that, I'm going to say, yes, of course, everyone needs to go to Bible college and seminary. But I'm not. I'm not. Here's my short answer to that question. Formal Bible training is optional. Serious Bible study and preparation is not optional. So, no matter what your age, no matter what kind of ministry you're going to be involved in, you need serious preparation and Bible training. Formal or non-formal. 
Of course, I cannot say that Bible college or seminary are absolute necessity for everyone. There is no Bible verse that says that. But what I can tell you very clearly is that if you're going to be involved in spiritual ministry, in spiritual work, in spiritual stresses and temptations, you need to be spiritually ready, prepared. It doesn't matter if you have wonderful talents and all kinds of, of different things. You need to be prepared doctrinally, biblically, spiritually. And so I would like to, you know, I, I want to share with you a couple of reasons why I think that maybe in your situation, why it might be better for you to get formal training or why it might be better to get informal training and with a couple of suggestions about how might you might do in formal training. So let's talk about formal training. So like going to Bible college, Bible or seminary, wh why might you do that? Number one, it will give you a broader base. So generally speaking, formal training, it broadens your base of knowledge more than informal because you are exposed whether you want to or not to various viewpoints, different teachers, professors, educators, even other students who are going to be maybe even somewhat diverse in their theological viewpoints, in their theological systems, maybe in their church culture. And I think that that broad base is helpful because when you get to the mission field, that base is even going to be broader. You will meet people, you will work with people, you will be in churches that have a culture quite different from your own. And if you have not learned how to see that through the prism of God's Word and accurately evaluate it and not just dismiss it because it's different, then you will be much more equipped for the mission field. So formal training tends to give you a more a broader base for uh, your studies. Number two, why formal training? It helps you stay disciplined. I don't know if you're like me, but I have a problem being disciplined. And if it weren't for Bible college, if it weren't for seminary, I would not have read so many books. I would not have written so many papers. I would not have studied so many verses so hard. I would not have read through the book of Proverbs in Hebrew or Isaiah or Numbers. I wouldn't have done those things. I probably wouldn't have learned Hebrew. I wouldn't have learned Greek. But the discipline of classes and grading systems and clear boundaries and accountability, that really helps. So if you have a problem with discipline, go for formal training. Third reason why formal training might be for you. It has proven standards of education. So generally, most schools that you go to, they're going to, they are going to be, you know, meeting some sort of standard of education. And and that's helpful because those standards were brought about in order to ensure good education. Whereas if you do informal, you know, it's, it's hard to say what kind of standard is there. Uh, number four, formal education um, 
will often make you more accepted in certain cultures, depending on where you're going as a missionary. So especially if you're going to, uh, to, the, to the East, if you go to Japan or you go to some place where they highly value having a degree, it's a really good idea to have a master's degree or a doctoral doctorate degree or something like that. Because because they're going to look at that and they're going to give you respect and they're going to listen to you. So that's just a real practical thing. Number five, uh, and this is really connected with it, uh, a formal degree can actually allow you to teach. So if you're going to be involved in teaching, seminary, Bible college, or something like that, oftentimes they require that. So just a, a simple thing there. Okay, what about informal training? So depending on your ministry, uh, depending on you know your life setting, sometimes it can be very very difficult to get formal training. It, it's always difficult, you know. So so don't just dismiss it. Dismiss it if it's just just because it's difficult. But sometimes it's really difficult. So informal training obviously can be more helpful because it provides more flexibility in the approach and more ability to focus on certain things that would be specifically important for your ministry context. And I would. Just if you are going to do informal training, I would encourage you not to do it independently, but do it with a pastor, with a mentor. So informal training doesn't mean that you're just like on your own, okay? The biblical pattern that we see is that there is a discipler and a disciplee. So find someone that can disciple you. Find someone who you see has been faithful in ministry, whose life corresponds to what they teach, who teaches God's word well and knows God's word well, who has a good reputation and its loving attitude towards those around them and does not compromise on biblical truth. Find someone whose life you would want to pattern and ask them, will you disciple me? So find a a competent mentor and then go to them and ask them to keep you accountable in your informal studies. And I think it's important. Look at what schools are doing. You know, what what textbooks are they using? You can still read those textbooks. You can still write those papers. And if you have a good mentor, you can then give your, you know, read a book and then write a book report, give it to your mentor. Give it to whoever's discipling you. You can can, uh, study God's word with them. You can ask them what books they think that you should be reading. But it's, it's, I think, one part of study that, that we should not ignore is reading. And I really believe that, I mean, yes, we say solo scriptura. Solo scriptura does not mean that we never read any other books. It means that we only find complete authority and truth in God's Word. But we do value other books because we know that God works through other people to help explain and courage and enlighten us in our understanding of God's word. And so Spurgeon says this, give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who 
uh, he who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. <laughs> okay, Spurgeon gets to the point, doesn't he? And I would suggest in your reading that you focus on some of those classic books. Go back a hundred years. Read people, read people like Spurgeon. J.C. Ryle is one of my favorites. Or maybe not even go back so far, but you know, read somebody like John Stott. You know, there's so much hype around the books that come out today. But there's so many solid books that were written 50 years ago, 100 years ago, and more. Read theologies. You need to understand how the parts of Scripture work together to formulate our understanding of large truths. So read theologies. Read with a highlighter, with a pen, maybe taking notes. I like to highlight a lot in my books. Then I go back and I look at those highlights and it helps me to remember the important things that I've read. Read broadly. Choose a wide range of authors and different types of books. You don't want to only read theologies. And you certainly don't want to only read how-to books, you know, like how to, <laughs> how to grow your church. And, but but you, you do want to read a, a wider range of books. So read theologies. Read commentaries. Read things that just exhort you to be a godly person. Read church history, read biographies, autobiographies. All of those things can be very helpful. And do it consistently. And then I would also say, in addition to reading, if you're going to be informally studying, write. Learn to write. write will help, writing will help you crystallize your ideas. It will help you to understand what you believe. And it may also be a big blessing to other people people as well. And then the final thing that I will say about education, formal or informal, is practice ministry. Practical ministry application is absolutely vital for anyone who is at all thinking about going into missions. Begin to do it now wherever you are. Take those truths you are learning and flesh them out in ministry in your local church, in evangelism, in children's ministry, whatever it may be, the opportunities that God gives you now, you must use them because they will aid you and benefit you years into the future when you go as a missionary to another land and you see things that you haven't seen before and are in ministry contexts that you haven't been in before that will give you at least some sort of experience to go back on, to learn from, and to go forward on. So you have to do the work of the ministry now. So, friends, in short, that is my answer. You are not required to have a formal Bible college or seminary education. Although, in many cases, I highly recommend it 
even though it may be difficult. My goodness, if it wasn't difficult, it probably wouldn't be worth doing because in general, all things of worth are difficult. So I highly recommend it, but I understand that there are cases where it is not the best thing. And certainly I cannot make a biblical case that it is a required thing for all missionaries. But serious, deep study of God's word, of theology, of working with the scriptures is a requirement of all. So if you're going to go the informal route, find someone who knows God's words well, who is a good example of a godly minister and work with them. Let them disciple you. Read. Read all kinds of books. Write. And give yourself to the work of the ministry. All right, friends, that is it for this episode of Now is the Time podcast. Thank you for joining me. Again, I want to remind you that my book, Is God Calling Me to Missions? 10 Questions to Help Determine Your Calling, is available for pre-order on Kindle now. Would love for you to get it. Send me a note. Let me know what you think of it. And until next time, may God bless you.